talking about me, but I'm not. I'm talking about you. As a matter of fact, I'm talking about all people everywhere. When I come down here to Texas, I was looking for something. I didn't know what. But it seems like you had up my life, and I'd spend it all either stomping other men or, in some cases, getting stomped. Had me some money and had me some medals. But none of it seemed a lifetime worth the pain of the mother that bore me. It was like I was empty. Well, I'm not empty anymore. That's what's important. To feel useful in this old world. To hit a lick against what's wrong or to say a word for what's right, even though you get walloped for saying that word. Now, I may sound like a Bible beater yelling up a revival at a river crossing camp meeting, but that don't change the truth none. There's right and there's wrong. You got to do one or the other. You do the one and you're living. Do the other, and you may be walking around, but you're dead as a beaver hat. John Wayne, is that strong or what? Come on, to, to, today's message, my title for today's message is Doing the Right Thing. Amen? Doing the Right Thing. You heard what he said at the end, and I love that part. He said, that You got two choices. You can do what's right or you can do what's wrong. You do the one, and you'll live. You do the other, you might live, but you're walking dead just like a beaver hat. <laughs> Only John Wayne can say that and get away with it, right? It wasn't that cool. I mean, I, I stumbled across that last night. That was my own creation. <laughs> you see my pride? Let's quit it before God makes me stumble. Today's message, doing what's right. Man, I want to talk to you about doing what's right. Because as men, we have to do what's right. We want to live. I believe all men want to live. Amen. We want to live an adventure. Amen. Come on. Men don't want to live a boring life. I hadn't found a man yet that wants to just live a boring life. He wants to hunt something. Right. He wants to kill something. Men get up at ungodly hours of the morning to go walk out in the woods in hopes that they'll see something walking with four legs and some antlers on top of his head. Or they'll, they'll do like my pastor, they'll get up at 5 o'clock in the morning, get to a rice field where the mosquitoes are buzzing around you after you've already sprayed the off, and you get into a blind or a ditch where you don't know if there's a snake or not, in hopes that you're going to see something fly by. Men want to kill something, men want to accomplish, men want to win, right? Come on. Well, John Wayne says, if you do what's right, you'll live. If you do what's not right, you might live, but you're just like the walking dead. And I think it's funny that there's a big spiritual truth in there. That as men, if we want to live a real life of adventure, it's not about what you kill and hang on your wall. It's about what you accomplish for the kingdom of God. Amen? The greatest adventure I've ever lived is, is stepping out in faith, moving from Franklin, Louisiana to Jennings, Louisiana, in faith, not knowing where I was going, what I was doing, how, how when, where, or why it was going to happen, or what God was going to do. But that was the greatest adventure in my life, and I'm still on it. Amen? Today I want to talk to you about five things. I'm going to give them to you, but don't you dare run out. Love God, number one. Number two, love your wife. Number three, love your kids. Number four, serve others. And number five, work hard. They're in order. They should be the priority of your life. Amen? 
If you're missing any one of those, just skip to the next one in your life. That's what you do. If you don't have a wife, you just go to your kids. If you don't have kids, you just serve others and work hard. Amen? So the first one, loving God, Matthew 6.33 says, says to seek first. Let me actually read it from the version I have. You got it on the screen. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Seek first his kingdom. As men, the first thing we should do is seek the kingdom of God and not our own. Look at me. You're strong. You're smart. You're talented. But you ain't God. Come on. You know how we are as men. If it ain't working, what we'll do? We'll muscle through it, right? Come on. Until we beat our head against the wall and the blood's dripping down in our eyes. We'll bang our head just trying to prove that we can do it, right? I'm not the only bullheaded man in this room. I know that. But his word says to seek his kingdom and his righteousness first. And the funny thing is, is he says, after you seek my kingdom and my righteousness, all these things will be added to you. It's funny how we get them backwards. We want to chase the things thinking that if we have the things, then we'll have a better relationship with God. When he's saying, no, 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 you got it backwards. Seek me first and my righteousness and I will take care of all these things. In other words, quit banging your head against the wall. Amen? 1 John 5, 20. It says this. They're going to have to pop it up quick. I'm not flipping through the Bible. I know I gave all these scriptures, but. <laughs> and we know that the Son of God has come. And he has given us understanding so that we can know the true God. Listen to me, men of God. Let me say one thing. If you get one thing from this message, I want you to get this. That Jesus Christ has given you the ability to know God. I'm not talking about head knowledge where you know about God. I'm talking about the kind of knowledge that comes through intimate experiences with him. The kind of knowledge that comes from the, the valleys in life, from the rough times, from when everything seems like it's going to fall apart and you cry out and he shows up and he lifts you up. That kind of knowledge. The in the trenches kind of knowledge. Are you with me? Not head knowledge because head knowledge won't get you anywhere. I'm talking about heart knowledge, the kind of physical experience you can get with somebody. Jesus Christ has given you that. That's the word of God. Because of Jesus, we can now know God. So get to know him. <laughs> That's pretty simple. <laughs> Ephesians 3.12. It says that we can come boldly into his presence. Because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. You know what that means for us as men? That any time, any moment, any place, we can come into his presence. Are you with me? I remember one time I was, I was doing this job and it was a hard job and I was, I was out in the middle of a football field. We were pouring some curbs around a running track and nothing was going right and I was frustrated and I was Beat red about the pass. I could feel my blood pressure in my head. It was like boop, 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 boop. One of those moments. 
And I remember I was swinging a little four-pound ball, and I missed, and I hit myself in the shin. I, th- I think I cussed. I don't know if I did or not for sure, but I don't know. But anyway, you would have cussed too. That junk hurts. Hit myself in the shin, and I went sit on the curb, and I was like, golly, man, God. And then my phone rings. I'm like, who's calling me? And I take it off my hip, and it was, it was Aunt Netta, and she needed prayer for something. I was like, huh? And so I answered, for some reason, normally I wouldn't answer, okay? I'll just be honest with you. I answered the phone, and she, she told me what was going on, and it was something, something major, and, and I prayed for her and encouraged her right there, and God did something. And the crazy thing is, is I stood up and my shin didn't hurt anymore. Sometimes God just got to knock the shin out of you <laughs> to get your attention. Amen? <laughs> I can say that in church because I just did. But the Bible says that we can come boldly into his presence. You know that that means any time and any moment, no matter where you are. And listen, to be a man of God, to lead your family, and to be the man that God wants you to be, you got to know that you've got access at any time. Listen, there's times you don't, don't call Pastor Jamie. I might not answer. I might have just hit myself in the shin. I'll tell you like my pastor tells me. I called him one time. We had this big old thing happening. I called him and I didn't know how to handle this situation. I was like, man, God, I don't know what to do. I'm leaving this on his voice. Man, God, I got to go see these people. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to tell them. I don't know how to act. Call me. He never called me. I was on my way, and I was praying in the Holy Ghost. I was praying in English, Spanish, I don't know, whatever. I was praying. I got there, and God anointed me and used me in a mighty way. And afterwards, he calls me. Man of God, you needed something? I said, no, I got it now. I told him what happens. He goes, man of God, you know, if you can't get me, (laughs) I know that I have access, 24-7 access into his presence. I can go boldly, the Bible says, not timidly. You see, I think I believe the problem with most of us men is that we, got, we take this respect and honor thing a little too far, and we, we confuse it for, for, for being nice. God never said to be nice. As far as I'm concerned, nice is for women. Certain women, certain days, it depends. But we can come boldly into his presence. So number one, we should be loving God, knowing that we should seek his kingdom first and that we have, an, we have the ability given by Jesus to know God in an intimate way and we can also come boldly into his presence. Amen? The second thing we need to do is love our wives. Love your wife. Ephesians 5.25, it says this. It says, for husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. 
No one hates his own body but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church, and we are members of his body. I don't see any of you starving yourself. I haven't heard any stomachs growl so far, and it depends on how long I go. But he says to take care of your wife like you take care of yourself. The thing I've been learning lately is is the the power God gives us. You know the scripture, it says, "In, in the tongue lies the power of life and death, right? With your tongue, you can speak life or you can speak death. The reason I listen to the music I listen to, which is mostly Christian music, is because it doesn't matter who you are, there's still power in the tongue, so I don't want to listen to the death. Amen? But there's power in the tongue. And so he says, he says that you can wash your wife with your words. So I'm learning this. I'm learning how to wash Cheryl with my words. See, as a man, my natural tendency is to whip her into shape. Not really whip her. I'd have a black eye. But basically to force her to be what I want her to be. Are you with me? Like a dictator. I'd make a very good dictator. Seriously. Because I'm bigger than most people. I'm intimidating. I ain't pretty. And I once had a lot of muscles. I still got a few. Are you with me? So I can make you do something whether you want to or not. And if it has to get physical... I just hope it don't last too long. Because <laughs> I also get winded pretty easy. <laughs> but he says to wash your wife with your words. And as I was meditating on this last night, I was like, Lord, how, how do I make men understand washing their wife with their words? And he said, well, it's like washing your truck. I happened to wash my truck yesterday. It's been a while. You wash your truck. Generally, the most part of your truck, the most area of your truck is not too hard to clean, right? Takes a little bit of soap and scrubbing and it's done. That's the way it is with your wife. In most areas, she doesn't need a lot of pressure. She doesn't need a lot of washing, right? A little bit of encouragement can go a long ways. But there are those spots. (laughs) Come on, men. There are those spots. They're called tar Bugs, and if you're in my line of business, concrete. I get new trucks, they climb in my truck with concrete all over them and it gets on the paint. I'm not going to go there. I get mad. It's hard to get concrete off the truck. But there's spots that you got to get down deep and scrub, right? Come on. Washing your wife with your words, for the most part, should be pretty easy. Encouraging, maybe giving her some wisdom, But then there's those spots. Listen to me, women. All of you have spots. I'm not talking about the ones you hid with makeup this morning. (laughs) Come on, man. It's Father's Day, man. I should be laughing at that. Y'all leaving me hanging. You're like, you ain't going to go home with my wife. (laughs) But there are those places that we got to get down deep into. And my question is, is man of God, are you husbanding your wife? Are you husbanding, I don't know if that sounds right, are you husbanding, I just slow it down, it's that Franklin education, are you husbanding your wife? Let me give you an example, let you into my world a little bit. 
<clears throat> my wife just went, oh, shoot, what's he going to say now? The other day, we had us a good old knockdown drag out. Don't look at me all crazy. You had one, too. We had a good one, though. We hadn't had a good one like this in a long time. We had words, and I got mad, and she got mad, and she was, it was right after her daddy died, and I know she had a lot of things going on emotionally, and, and I wasn't there like I should have been in some certain areas, and, and she really wanted me, it sounded like, to help out around the house a little bit more during this time. And I should have, and I realize that now I should have, but at the time I was like, well, you know, I was busy too. And so we get in this big old argument over cleaning, helping her clean the house. It's funny how you can just go crazy over some stupid stuff, right? I mean, seriously. The dishes? My thing is like, we're staying up till midnight over the dishes? Throw them in the trash? I'd rather buy some new ones and get some sleep. So, man, my blood pressure's kicking. We're having words. I'm like, I'm not sleeping in this bed at night. And I walk out, and I'm walking to the kitchen. And I'm like, you know what, doggone it. That ain't what I said. But it's like, you know what, doggone it. She wants the house. I'm going to clean the house right now. 11.30 at night, I'm slamming dishes in the dishwasher. I'm rubbing the countertops. I, get the, I got all the spots. I had all the right chemicals and everything. I was amazed. I'm scrubbing the countertops. This went on for like an hour and a half. I was mad. I was washing clothes. Folded all the clothes that were sitting on the sofa. Washed all the clothes that were in the hampers. There wasn't a dirty piece of clothing in our house. And I was mad. I was like, Lord, you need to straighten that woman out. She, you, she knows I work hard. She know I love my father-in-law too, Lord. You know you, I was doing this. I had to preach his funeral. I had to... Straighten her out, Lord. That's what I was thinking. And I, I'm, one day I'm going to learn my lesson. <laughs> so about two hours later, after the blood pressure settles down, I had to drop the temperature in the house. That was, what was fun because <laughs> it was hot. It's funny. The Lord lets me calm down. He says to me, son, it's about time you start husbanding your wife. said, the problem you have is you haven't been husbanding your wife. You've been here. Because my biggest thing, this is the thing that I always throw at her. I only do three things. Family, church, and work. I'm selling my boat because I ain't got time to go fishing. I always throw that at her. You know what I'm saying? Come on, man. You know, you got your arrows. It don't work. The problem was, yeah, I was there. Yeah, I wasn't doing anything else. Yeah, I was involved. Yeah, I was alive and well. I wasn't just sitting on the sofa doing this or doing that. But I wasn't husbanding her. So what does that mean? I wasn't encouraging her. When there was moments to help her, I didn't stop and help her. Are you with me? Now, men, there comes times in your life, in your marriage, where you're going to have to speak kind, gentle, encouraging words to your wife. And that's probably 80% of the time. But then there's that other 20% that you're going to have to look her straight in the face and you're going to have to tell her the truth about herself. And I believe some men don't tell their wives the truth because they're afraid 
that their wife has more on them than they have on their wife. I thought you would like that. You won't speak into your wife's life because she's got more on you than you have on her. That don't matter. Are you hearing me? If you're hearing from God, if you're taking care of, number one, you're loving God and you're hearing from God, then he's going to change you. Men have big spots. You with me? We got junk in our trunk. But that doesn't give you an excuse not to husband your wife. Come on. You got to get past your failures and start speaking into her life. The question is, is are you loving her or are you not? Because, see, the Bible says that God loves us when he chastens us. So at the end of service, I'm going to give everybody a whip to take home. You can chasten your wife tonight. Go ahead and get her straight. And you men are scared. I ain't going to lie to you. Y'all just scared. Y'all scared to go home right now. Won't say amen, won't say nothing, won't say bring it, Pastor. Can I get two of them? Nothing. He says to lay down your life for her. Let me tell you something your marriage is one of your greatest testimonies, especially in today's day. Are you with me? In these times today, your marriage is one of your greatest testimonies. I don't care if you can quote the, the Bible backwards and forwards. you got a crummy marriage. Ain't nobody following you. Nobody's going to listen to you. Are you hearing me? You know who people who God gives this attraction gift to is people that have their stuff straight. Or at least they, if they don't have it all straight, they're working on it. Are you with me? God will put an attraction on them. One of the greatest compliments Cheryl and I ever got was somebody came and said, I just want to have a marriage like you guys have. I was like, really? Should have been here last night. Change your mind. Are you with me? It's one of your greatest testimonies. I love to see older couples still madly in love. You with me? There's an extreme. Some of these older men, they, they can just get downright dirty. But I like the, the older men that are kind of flirtatious. You know what I'm saying? They're still goosing their wife, talking funny stories about them. Come on. They still got a vision for their wife. Come on, man. 70 years old. <clears throat> I need that anointing. So number one, love God. Number two, love your wife. Number three, love your kids. Let's go to Ephesians 6, verse 4. Ephesians 6, 4, just a few verses down. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up in the discipline. Say discipline. And instruction. Say instruction. That comes from the Lord. Don't beat the cheese out of your children to make them do something, Pastor Jamie. <laughs> I confessed that to you about a month or two ago about how my struggle with my son. It's a real thing. I'll be honest with you. It is. It's a real thing. But let me tell you something. Since I confessed it that day and I laid it at Jesus' feet, he has helped me. My son and I cut grass yesterday all day. I didn't lose it one time. 
You think that's good? We went on family vacation and didn't have one fight. Hallelujah. We were driving home. We were just getting out of Shreveport. My wife goes, you know, we hadn't had one fight since we went on this vacation. I said, shut up. We ain't home yet. A lot can happen from here to the house. We'll talk about it when we get home. It was one of the greatest vacations we ever went on. It didn't matter where we went. We just had a good time. We even canoed down a river with two different canoes, and nobody got mad except me. And my canoe kept dragging the bottom. I don't know why that thing wouldn't float. I don't know what the deal is. I mean, it's like every time you come out, and at first I got out, but then I was like, man, forget this. This ain't my boat. I just pushed through it. That got me a little upset, but I was good. They need to put more foam in them canoes or something. They're making them cheap these days. <laughs> Ephesians says, rather than using, using harsh words and things that would provoke your children to anger, man, you got to get this. Because as men, we have the tendency to force things, Right? Come on, you don't believe me? Go into children's church, watch some of them young kids try to put the little round peg in the square hole. They don't try to find a square, I mean a round hole. What do they try to do? They try to force it. And as men, we try to force it. We try to, if our kids don't act right, what do we do? We get strong with them. Right? And if they still don't act right, what do we do? We get even stronger. I've been in places where I've taken teenagers that have lived in my house. I had a 16 or 17-year-old. He wouldn't listen. I grabbed him by his throat. I skull-dragged him right past his mama, threw him out the house, and jacked him up against the fence. And I said, if you don't start acting right, I'm going to take your life. That didn't change him. I put him outside. One day I gave him a chore to do at my house during the summer. He was supposed to clean the dirt from underneath the fence. Instead, he went with one of his buddies to Lake Charles to go to a music shop. I got home. I was mad. I put him outside at 9 o'clock that night cleaning that thing. Then all of a sudden, it starts thundering and lightning. I was like, oh, great. And his mama's at my house. And he's outside, and, and he's shoveling in the rain. Boom! The lightning is striking right there. And I ain't going to lie to you. d not size going, boy, you, you hard. You get yourself in trouble quick. That didn't change him. You know what it says in Ephesians? It says train your kids with discipline and instruction. Let me give you something here. You know where you get discipline from? From God's word, first of all. God's word tells you what to do and what not to do, right? Tells you right from wrong then you also get discipline from the word of God, from his spoken word. Are you hearing me? God always told me this. The Holy Spirit's always reminded me when it comes to raising my kids because I didn't have a daddy, and I don't know how to be one. He said, you just do to them what I've done to you, and you're going to be all right. I was like, man, that's good. Because, you know, sometimes you think, well, man, God can be hard. Yeah, he can be hard. But he's not going to ball his fist up at me. He's not going to force me. 
Amen? So you learn your discipline from God. That goes back to point one. Loving God, you have the right to know God. You have problems with your kids, your kids need some certain things. You need to be going to the Father and saying, Lord, I don't know how to handle this situation. You see, God gave me Virginia, who was very compliant. He gave me Ethan, who was hyper-energized. But then when I wanted him to do something fast, he drags his feet. And then he gave me Anna. She's like fine china. If you rub her wrong, she starts crying. If I tell her something a little too strong, I'm like, don't cry. <laughs> Dang it. I need help, amen. Especially now that I told you all my junk. I bet y'all pray for me this week. Then he says to train them or to teach them with instructions. Instruction comes from God's word and it comes from his mouth. Man, let me tell you something. As men of God, as men in this world, we got to know God. Amen? We got to get to know God. We need to be hearing his voice constantly. Come on, we need to be in relationship. We need to be in his presence. Because I know every, every man in this room, you don't want to blow it, do you? Anybody wants to blow it in life? Raise your hand. We'll pray for you to help you out. Nobody wants to blow it. Nobody wants their kids to be worse off than they were, right? What do we want? We want our kids to be better than us. We want our wives to be cleansed and purified and holy. Come on, we want our marriages to be good. Most men want what? Peace in the house, right? Nobody wants to live with a frustrated woman. Man, we got to hear from God. We got to get some discipline from God. We got to get some instruction from God. Amen? That's why 1 John 5 20 is so important in getting to know God. We have to, it's important. Love God, love your wife, love your kids. Number four, serve others. Matthew 20, verse 28. It says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Not even Jesus came to be served, but he came to serve. If anybody ever deserved to be served, it was Jesus, right? If anybody ever had the right to ask for service, it was Jesus, right? If anybody was ever worthy, it was Jesus, right? God calls us to serve others. And you go, man. Let me, tell you, let me tell you what the flesh said when I, was, when I was writing this message last night. The flesh, when I got to this part, the flesh said, it was a golly. Man, don't we have enough to do already? We got to love God, love our crazy wife, and, and do something with them crazy kids. That's what your flesh said. I heard it. Now, mine didn't say that. Whew, I hope I get out of this one. I'm joking. But my flesh said, golly, we got to do something else? On top of all this, we got to go serve somebody? Yep, that's what you're here for. You're here to serve other people. Why? Because Jesus did. Because Jesus calls us to. 
Let me tell you something. After a hard day's work, I've been up for 24 hours. I come home. You know what I want to do? I want to eat that freshly prepared meal no matter what time of the day it is. And I want it to be just right. No brown rice, just white rice. It holds the gravy better. And I want to eat it till my stomach's full and screaming. And I want to sit in the recliner for a little while until his food settles. Because if you go to bed too quick, you'll have acid reflux. I want to let my food settle. I want to watch a little bit of TV. And when my eyes start doing like this, I just want everybody to part the Red Sea, get out of my way, and let me hit the bed. That's what I want. I want the kids on the way to bed to tell me, Daddy, I love you. You did a great job today. And my wife to give me a big old smooch and make promises to me. That's what I want. Don't look at me crazy. You want that too. If you don't, we'll pray for you. But that's what my flesh wants. My flesh said, I don't want to serve nobody. I don't want to do nothing else. Jesus said we have to. You know what serving does? Serving opens the door to preach the gospel. Serving is a good example for you to give away to your kids, to your wife. We brainwash our kids. Virginia is one of the first fruits of our brainwashing. When we lived in a subdivision and we had neighbors that we liked, we used to walk over next door early in the morning and wash their car and try to sneak away without them finding out. We'd go do things for people to try and help them, to try and serve them. One time, Cheryl and I did a drive-by. We dropped some, some cash off in somebody's mailbox because and we, and we, we just found out they, they, they didn't have any money. So we did a drive-by. And no sooner we get two blocks away, they call, you ain't going to believe what God just did. And then you got to fake it. Really? What? <laughs> you got to serve somebody. Serving others is where you find fulfillment. Man, you all know you get adrenaline when you kill that buck you've been after all year, right? You get some adrenaline and you get some, you get some fulfillment. For me, if I go catch a bass that's over five pounds, which I've never caught one over five pounds, I've been fishing for a long time. When I catch that bass that's about eight or ten pounds, there's going to be some fulfillment there. Are you with me? I will talk some trash. It will be a lot. Depends on who's in the boat. Okay? But that fulfillment shortly goes away. Right? True fulfillment comes whenever you give to other people, whenever you serve other people. Amen? I remember some of the first service projects I've ever been a part of as a youth pastor in Franklin. We took this one kid, and he was, he was starting to get rebellious. He was coming from the same situation I was, a single mom, and he was starting to rebel and kick against his mama, and he was hanging out with the wrong people. And we did this service project where we went to the battered women's home. And we moved in beds, and we, we pulled some stuff out, and we painted, and we did a little bit of carpentry work. And, and that kid got into it. And at the end of it, he grabbed me and said, man, that was the greatest day I've ever had in my life. He found fulfillment in serving other people. Amen? Serve God, love your wife, love your kids, serve others. Number five, work hard. I believe most of you do that already. You work hard. I believe in this day and age, you don't have any choice but to work hard. Amen? Go with me to Proverbs chapter 13, verse 4. Let's take a look at what working hard does. 
Lazy people want much but get little. But those who work hard will what? Prosper. Let's go to Proverbs 13, 11. Wealth from get-rich-quick schemes quickly disappears. Wealth from hard work grows over time. Amen? We need to work hard. You've heard me say time and time again that I, I have a hard time hiring young Christian men to work for me because most of them are lazy. They want to stand around the water cooler talking all day. So it makes me want to say things that gets me into repenting. You with me? So I have a, I have a tendency not to hire them. They're, they're a Christian. I'm like, mm -mm 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 -mm. no, man, we're full. Then a non-Christian walking the door, yeah, man, you got a job. I'm serious. It's real. It's sad. Nobody wants to hear you preach when you've been a lazy bum all day. Nobody wants to go to church with you when you've been sitting around a water cooler all day. Come on. Working hard is a testimony to others. Remember what the Bible says? Work as though you work for the Lord. Man, that goes. That, if you've got a problem with your boss, you just need to memorize that scripture. Work as though I'm, work, I'm working for the Lord. So does that mean I can take out my boss? No. Let's go, go to Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Some of you said, Ecclesi what? I've never read the whole book of Ecclesiastes. But I read this verse and, and these verses and I'm really interested in reading. This is what I observe to be good. That it is appropriate for a person to eat, to drink, and to find satisfaction in their toilsome labor under the sun during the few days of life God has given them. For this is their lot. Moreover, when God gives someone wealth and possessions and the ability to enjoy them, to accept their lot and be happy in their toil, this is a gift of God. They seldom reflect on the days of their life because God keeps them occupied with gladness of heart. That's the New Living Translation? I don't remember that. Hang on one second. Let me give you the real Ecclesiastes. That was a poser. Let me read this again. Even so, I have noticed one thing, at least, that is good. It is good for people to eat, drink, and enjoy their work under the sun during the short life God has given them and to accept their lot in life. And it is a good thing to receive wealth from God and the good health to enjoy it. To enjoy your work and accept your lot in life is indeed a gift from God. God keeps such people so busy enjoying life that they take no time to brood over the past. Isn't that good? You're supposed to enjoy your work. Come on. Take joy in it. Take pride in it. Look forward to going and doing it again the next morning. Amen? Work hard and God's going to prosper you. Work hard at your job. Work hard in your marriage. Work hard with your kids. Work hard in serving other peoples, but especially work hard in building your relationship with God. That's the true way to success. That's the true way to find happiness and fulfillment. Amen? Is those things. So men, my word for you this morning is this. Number one, and you need to keep these in priority, love God. Number two, love your wife. 
Number three, love your kids. Number four, serve others. And number five, work hard. I promise you, if you take care of all those things, there won't be any room for the enemy to work. Amen? I mean, that's a lot to do. But that's where grace comes in. That's where you find fulfillment. Ephesians 6.10 is the last verse I'm going to give you for the day. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Ephesians 6.10. If you're going to be a man of God, you're going to have to be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Amen? I consider it a great privilege to be a man. How about you? It's not just because I'm thinking, God, I'm not a woman. Okay, it's not out of, I'm glad I wasn't a woman. It's I am really appreciative of the fact that God called me or made me a man, first of all. But he's called me to be a man of God in this world. I counted a real privilege that he would use me to change other people. Not by what I preach, but by what I do. Amen? It's a great honor and a privilege to be a man of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. I thank you for every man in this room, Lord. I pray that you would give us the energy and the strength and the courage, Lord, to chase after you. And Father, you'll be the number one priority of our life, Lord. Father, if there's any man here today that's gotten their life a little out of whack, I pray that we'd get it back straight right now. Lord, help us to take care of number one first. And we know that taking care of number one, Lord, the rest of the things are going to fall into place. We'll have to work on them, but they're going to fall into place. Your grace is going to come. Lord, help us to be men that are different. Men that might seem to be a little weird. Men that don't try to look manly, but we really are manly. In the heart, Lord. Help us. In Jesus' name, amen. Men, I thank God for you, and I appreciate you. And my, This was encouragement to keep going. Don't stop. Keep going. Amen? We stand up this morning. Thank you for being a man. Thank you. If you're standing next to a man, I want you to just tell him thank you right now. Show a little love to him. Amen. It's all right. Men can hug men. It's all good. Just, anyway. Well, listen, have a great day. Men, I hope you get to sit in the recliner. At least for one day. Maybe somebody will come by and rub your feet. If you're like me, maybe the dog will pass by and brush your feet. (laughs) Something. Have a great day. God bless you. We love you.